Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Hi, I'm former Buffalo Bills wide receiver Don Beebe, and you're listening to Nate and the Fellas on Circling the Wagons podcast on the Buffalo Rumblings podcast network. Because nobody circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills. Go Bills. Where else would you rather be than right here, right now? Hey, let's go Buffalo. Hey, let's go Buffalo. The Bills make me wanna Welcome to the Circling the Wagons podcast, a podcast discussing the Bills all year round with interviews, news, recaps, and insightful fan discussion. Most times. Here's your host and lifelong Bills fan, Nate. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this victory recap episode of Circling the Wagons, a Buffalo Rumblings podcast. I'm your host, Nate, and we're going to discuss the Buffalo Bills 44-34 win over the Seattle Seahawks to go 7-2 and two on the season. We'll go over our thoughts of the game, our stats of the game, our plays of the game, and as always, our wall of famers and wall of shamers with some help from our amazing followers on Twitter. We'll also do some weekly podcast giveaway, so uh, stay tuned for that. But first, I'm joined by my co-hosts, John and Mike. Fellas, going into this game, uh, the Bills were 6-2, and two, playing against a potential Super Bowl contender, in the six and one Seahawks that, you know, under, unlike their Super Bowl seasons just a few years ago when they had the Legion of Boom, they now have a terrible pass defense. And the question going into this game was, could Josh Allen, Brian Dable, and the stable of talented wide receivers on the Bills offense take advantage of it? And after today, the answer is a resounding yes. I mean, they not only took advantage of it in a huge way, passing all over the Seahawks secondary for over 400 yards, but the defense the defense guys actually showed some signs of life in rushing the passer, creating some pressure on Russell Wilson, the potential league MVP, and turning the ball over several times, leading to leading the Bills to one of their biggest, if not the biggest victory of the Sean McDermott era. I mean, we've been talking, you know, recaps the last few weeks, and uh, it just the, the confidence hasn't been there as a fan to really see. You wanted to see some some signs of life from the Bills offense and, and the team as a whole. And I think today is the most confident I've been in this team in a long time that if we were to see them down the road or make the playoffs or, you know, we could potentially make a deep run into the playoffs and make a push for the Super Bowl because of how well this team can play against a team that might have the league MVP on it and might be potentially a Super Bowl team. So, John, I'll start off with you. Uh, how did you see today's amazing victory? Yeah, Nate, everything you just said. I mean, all three all three phases of the game, the Bills were very successful. They could be playing the Seahawks in the Super Bowl this year. The Seahawks are probably the best team in the NFC. 
Um, and what you're saying about a statement win, totally agree with. The Bills are 1-12 versus playoff teams since 2018. And they had already lost to the Titans and the Chiefs this year. And that one win, I said they were 1-12, that one win was against the Mari- Mariota-led Titans that they ended up making a switch at quarterback and making the playoffs last year. The, the, this is a huge win. Mike, what about you? Are you are you as jacked as we are over today's victory? Yeah, I think what's exciting when you talk about a team, a potential Super Bowl contender, and a team with a potential MVP candidate, you could be talking now after today's game, you could be talking about the Bills. They look better on all three sides of the ball. And just from start to finish, it was a complete game. I was particularly impressed with the coaching staff. It's like they studied their opponent. They knew what they had to do. They just drew up an outstanding game plan i haven't been more impressed with them in the last three years and then the players executed it to perfection yeah that's something that you always wonder is the the opponent always has weaknesses whether it's in their defense or offense and the question is each and every week for the buffalo bills is can they actually take advantage of the opponent's weakness now the the seattle seahawks came in with like the 32nd ranked pass defense and you know, we've seen teams come in. The Bills have played the Titans. The Titans had one of the worst run defenses in the league. The Bills couldn't take advantage of that running the ball. And this game, like you said, Mike, they played to perfection against a really bad Seattle Seahawks secondary, a real bad Seattle Seahawks secondary, which I should mention finally got Jamal Adams back, which you didn't know. Was that the reason? You know, is this going to help them? It didn't matter today. Josh Allen completely took advantage of the Seahawks defense and they didn't end up running the ball a lot. They didn't need to because they succeeded in every single facet of the game. Well, I think we were all surprised with the game plan in the sense of just how much the Bills were willing to throw the ball. Like in today's NFL, there's a lot of lip service paid to like, oh, the passing game is it's tilted in the favor of the offense, particularly with throwing the ball. Um, but you rarely see it skewed to such an extent that you did today. Well, the game plan was probably to keep pace with the Seahawks and Russell Wilson. And, of course, you know, maybe, maybe we didn't expect the defense to show up as much as they did today. But I it's, think they it felt, felt like they came out of nowhere. Yeah, absolutely. They did. They were invisible the first seven weeks until, or what is it, eight weeks till today? I mean, in, in a large way. You know what was nice, too, to see is is you guys mentioned keeping up with the, the Seahawks. What? What was nice to see from McDermott and the coaching staff is not only a well-executed game plan, but also just keeping their feet on the pedal and not letting up and not giving in and not playing a fully prevent defense or not just trying to, okay, we're up by two scores. Let's just run the ball and see where we go to just bleed out the clock. Like they were just like, we're going to keep doing this until you stop us. And the Seahawks couldn't stop them. You know that this is so unlike a normal Sean McDermott victory where they get up by a few scores and they just take their foot off the pedal. They just go in cruise control. They're like, let's see if you can catch up. Sometimes they do. Most of the times they don't. But a team like the Seahawks, they were going to catch up if you played that way. And McDermott had the wherewithal to know that that killer mentality that, you know, I'm, I'm not going to let them back in this game. And they didn't, to their credit. Well, they almost did. <laughs> But it oh, wasn't but, from it, <laughs> it wasn't the the fault of the play calling. The, absolutely, the the play calling was foot on the gas the entire way, which is great to see, which you haven't seen in really twenty years. Would you say prior 
staffs or pri- do you say prior administrations like you do with like presidents? <laughs> What's that called? I'm blanking. <laughs> prior uh, regimes. Regime? <laughs> you you Regime hate. Sounds like a. a dictator in a banana republic it's like a nefarious it's worse than administrations yeah <laughs> i think there should be a push to get rid of regime um yeah coaching staffs i guess front office and coaching staffs mostly coaching staffs let's just say that yeah i don't remember if there was a time before this that had just i mean there was a game uh, a few years ago against the Packers, I believe they were like 10 and 1 or 10 and 0. And the Bills, they came into Buffalo and the Bills, I don't think Aaron Rodgers scored a touchdown that game. And, um, that was a resounding win. I don't think it ended up with them making the playoffs because I think that was a Rex Ryan team or a Doug Marone team. It didn't matter, but this is easily the most important win. I'd say even, even more so than the Minnesota Vikings win that, uh, you know, the Vikings ended up that year, I think being 8, 7 and 1. And the Bills were like 16-point underdogs going into it, and they just dismantled the Minnesota Vikings in Minnesota. And that was Josh Allen's first coming-out game as a rookie. But this game is so much more important than that. I mean, this you saw the full—you saw everything out of Josh Allen. I don't know about importance. Like, in in what respect, right? Like, if the Bills lose this, we're still saying, hey, they're still making the playoffs. Well, they could have beat a Minnesota Vikings team that season. It didn't mean anything. I mean, it didn't mean that they were going to make— any headway later on, like this at least gives us hope that, you know, the Bills lost to the Titans, they lost to the Chiefs, I mean, in pretty embarrassing fashion. Last year, Thanksgiving against Dallas was a huge game. That was also a very good game. Nationally. Good point. point. Um, I don't think the Cowboys ended up with a winning record that season, but uh, last season, but at the time, it felt like the most important win, for sure, in the Sean McDermott era. That's a good one. Good one. This is still more important, but I get what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, but you're talking about the benefit of hindsight, right? Like you're saying, Dallas, you have to go in the moment at that at that day in a snapshot of time. Like you're looking at it with the benefit of hindsight, which we cannot do. Like Seattle can lose all the rest of their games. If that's your argument for Dallas, like, oh, they actually sucked. Yeah, but we saw them on national TV and everyone was watching that game. Yeah. And it really elevated the bills. Maybe it got them key free agents or who knows? Like could have completely changed the trajectory. Yeah, I think this is, I'm going to go with, this is the biggest Bills win since week 17. Week 17 of 2017, Cincinnati-Baltimore. The the win that basically got us into the playoffs for the first time. And this is the biggest win since the drought ender? Yeah, right? Wow. I would say, I mean, maybe it is so far because the Bills haven't won a playoff game (laughs) since then. So the most important, I like that. I like that. It feels great. I mean, this feel- it feels great, but it was—it's not that consequential in the grand scheme of things. Like we—we we think the Bills can play with anybody in the league. Yeah, this was the first. Have they won or lost this game? Did we not? Um, I feel so much more confident. Not for if they lost. <laughs> I feel so much more confident about this team after today's win to prove that you can actually beat a team this good because we first we were the litmus test for the Buffalo Bills before this game was the Los Angeles Rams win and the potentially the Miami Dolphins win and the I would oh, say New England if you if your goal is the next logical step for the Bills the next on their list of goals is to win the AFC East. Mm-hmm. It, it, New England has had that for 20 years. So beating them is a huge monkey like psychologically, right? Is huge, but then also I think the divisional games, you can't overstate the importance there. So, like, this is a statement win because of how 
highly Seattle is thought of around the league, but not as consequential as beating a divisional opponent. Yeah, that's a fair point. In the grand scheme of things, um, I'm looking. I'm looking further down the line. Even maybe I'm. I'm putting the cart before the horse and saying that I think the Bills are going to win the AFC East. So now I'm looking past then like, okay, after they win the AFC East, after they, you know, make the playoffs, you know, how are they going to fare against a team that is as good as the Seattle Seahawks, which could potentially be the best team in the NFC. The Bills haven't showed up so well against some very good teams. I mean, they're still six and two going into today, but yeah, I guess I'm looking further down the line than you are in that. But yeah, the, the more no, I'm looking even farther than that. I'm looking next year. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking at Josh Allen's retirement in 20 years. <laughs> uh, so yeah, let's go into our, uh, but, well, what, if you take it out far enough, it, none of it matters, right? Jeez. <laughs> all right. All right. All right. All right. <laughs> I, know, I know I get it, Mike. We're just monkeys on a rock spinning around the sun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's fair. How nice was it to see, like, not only the defense, um, you know, I mean, I know they sc- the, the Seahawks scored 34 points on them. I mean, the Seahawks has scored at least 27 points in every single game this season. So it's not no surprise that they scored 34 points against the Bills. But uh, the four turnovers that the Bills had, you know, against the Seahawks, the, the, the Bills didn't give up any turnovers uh, today. I mean, that was huge in that department because... I mean, that was the only thing stopping Russell Wilson from scoring at will were those turnovers and, and, uh, and the Bills had, you know, four sacks to, or five sacks today, rather. And the Bills haven't been getting a ton of pressure. I mean, AJ Klein, you know, just, I, I don't know. He might, he's probably been listening to this podcast and probably getting really pissed <laughs> at us. I don't know about you guys. I've been saying nothing but positive things about AJ Klein since week one. I have not at all criticized him and his inability to tackle or cover a running back or tight end or anything like that. But today he just proved that he's a completely elite and talented linebacker for the Buffalo Bills. He just took, you know, he was just taking the first seven weeks off, right? Just make it eight weeks off <laughs> before he was going to do anything. Um, that was good to see. What you should actually do is have like a SpongeBob clip. One week later. And then like, gut, and then actually play your audio. You just shitting all over him. <laughs> He's literally made the wall of shame at least like three out of eight weeks. <laughs> That's a good point. I like it. One week later, league MVP <laughs> the week before. Why is he in, still on the Bills roster? <laughs> um, how nice was it to see the Bills defense? I mean, I know I know the points don't show it in the Bills. You know, they had almost the same exact yardage as the Buffalo Bills. But, I mean, how confident do you guys feel about this Bills defense? Or does it change nothing, in your opinion, about how they how they fare today? Doesn't change anything. Fourteen and two before the game. Fourteen and two after the game. It for me, Nate, it's it's awesome that there were four takeaways, right? Like two interceptions, two forced fumbles, and I would say turnovers, as we know, can be very fickle, right? Ball bounces, game of inches, all the cl- name your cliche. But the fact there were four really shows you that the Bills' defense is stepping up and being those being the ball hawks that we've seen in previous years, like we saw it last last week with Zimmer, like punching the ball out, right? Like they're being much more aggressive and, and adopting that mindset of we're going to get the ball, we're going to score, we're going to whatever, right? And I, for me, what was really telling too was the sacks to get in the quarterback hits. Like four turnovers is awesome to see, but if it was less than that, one, two, you could argue 
who knows if it happens again if they do see Seattle down the line. But the sacks, the pressure, like I'm very optimistic, very hopeful that that could continue on into future weeks. Yeah, that was well put, Mike. It was, I mean, Tredavious White got his first interception of the season today. I mean, they were they were just swarming around Russell Wilson in the Seahawks offensive line and an offense as a whole did not have an answer for the Bills pressure. Like you mentioned, he was, I think at one point I saw he was knocked down 16 times or hurried or pressured 16 times or whatever. And you just don't see that from the Bills defense. The Bills defense usually are the ones where the guys, you know, at least this season, quarterbacks usually have plenty of time against the Bills defensive line. And I mean, they were hitting, you know, Russell Wilson on blindside hits. He had no idea that some guys were blitzing him and and taking him down or hitting him as he was throwing the ball. Um, I was so impressed. This was just, it was, it was a, a little bit of a, of a version of last year's dominant defense today. And I mean, if, if, if it's just a matter of game planning, I mean, sometimes you just question if the talent is there and I know everyone's been questioning AJ Klein lately and even the bills, you know, in a press conference recently this week were saying that, you know, he's been asked to do things that he doesn't normally do. Well, maybe they just, maybe they just need to blitz AJ Klein all the time <laughs> because maybe that's his, that's his thing. Cause maybe it's not, you know, playing the run. Maybe it's not, you know, uh, covering running backs coming out of the backfield. Maybe it's literally just find quarterback, hit quarterback, take the ball away. Cause, um, he did that tremendously today and the bills in general, uh, the Bills defense in general. I mean, I was, I was so happy and, uh, and it, and I think the Bills, Bills fans in general should be, um, optimistic about where this team is headed and, uh, and what their defense looks like. So let's go into our stats of the game. Stats of the game. They've done studies, you know, 60% of the time it works every time. That doesn't make sense. So you're telling me there's a chance. Well, people can come up with statistics to prove anything, Kent. 40% of all people know that. We have, uh, this is a really cool stat. Um, This was actually brought up by NFL Research. It says Josh Allen is the first quarterback in the Super Bowl era with 400 plus pass yards, three-plus passing touchdowns, zero interceptions, and a 130-plus passer rating in multiple games within a season. Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, Drew Brees, Aaron Rodgers, and Patrick Mahomes are the only other players with multiple such games in their careers. So that is great company to be in. Notice there wasn't like a Nick Foles in there or like a Blake Bortles. Like every single quarterback on that list is legit potential hall of famer if you know so um yeah that's cool that's cool to see he's in line with that um let's go into uh some stats specifically of the game josh allen 31 for 38 today 415 yards three touchdowns and zero interceptions for those wondering at home that's almost an 82 percent completion percentage i mean he was just he was just tossing dimes out there um, speaking of which, on our, uh, we are going to release a new design for our T Public site. Three words for you. Treat, yo, sell. If you go to tpublic.com slash stores slash ctwpod, we are releasing our Rocky themed Josh Allen 
shirt. So if everyone remembers the the whole theme of Rocky was his life was a was a one in a million chance and ours is uh ours has Josh Allen showing uh showing uh him saying his his success was a one in a million chance. Go to tpublic.com slash stores slash CTW pod. So Josh Allen, 82% completion percentage. Um, just had an amazing day. Leading rushers for the Bills, you're not going to get a whole lot of this statistic. <laughs> just to warn you, the Bills did not rush the ball well, and they didn't rush it that often. Zach Moss had nine carries for 18 yards, one touchdown, two yards per carry average. Josh Allen, the next leading Running back, seven carries for 14 yards, one touchdown. He did have that touchdown run in the fourth quarter. Uh, one touchdown, two yards per carry. Then there's Isaiah McKenzie, who had one carry for one yard. Then Devin Singletary only had two carries today, two carries for one yard, say a half yard per carry. So not a great day at all for the Bills running backs. Um, but receiving the ball, Stephon Diggs led the way, as I'm sure you thought he did. Nine receptions on 12 targets, 118 yards. John Brown, the next leading receiver for the Bills, eight receptions on 11 targets for 99 yards. Gabriel Davis was the third, four receptions on five targets for 70 yards and one touchdown. Cole Beasley, as he is named on this podcast, third and Cole Beasley, three receptions on three targets for 39 yards. Might I remind everyone listening, that two of those receptions were for first downs on a third down conversion. So um, I know that some people fight the third and Cole nickname. I know Mike and John do, my co-hosts, they hate it. Um, they're more into the Killer Bees nickname, the Coleslaw nickname, uh, which, you know, they're terrible, I guess. Um, but third and Cole, <laughs> that's the way to go. Uh, people keep tweeting at me on social media or DMing me <laughs> saying third and Cole. I love it. Uh, shout out to everyone that did that today. Um, Tailgate Beers did that, tweeted that out, um, which was hilarious. Tailgate Beers, uh, he and uh, Brother Bill, they have the funniest Bill's videos all over Bill's Twitter. So if you guys aren't on Instagram or Twitter or whatever, I, those guys are both on Instagram and Twitter. Tailgate Beers, Brother Bill, follow them both. They're both amazing follows. Um, appreciate those guys for listening, obviously. Um Devin Singletary, the next leading receiver, three receptions. Oh, just to, to go back to that for one second, not to believe the point, it just makes no sense because it's too specific. You think it's because it's... Goal. If, it, if, you, if his name somehow was like rhymed with just third down, that would be specific enough, but I could, I could live with it. But it's third and goal. How often does that situation arise? And the, the ball is actually thrown to him, and he actually scores a touchdown. I, like, it, not often. It'd be like the next step is like third and goal in the Super Bowl to win the game with one second left. <laughs> I like think it's just too specific. I think you're getting too caught up with the goal part. And but that's I think, the crux of it. I think that's what the only applicable part to make it a nickname to I, rhyme with his name. That's half the nickname. Yeah. yeah <laughs> the I, most important point. I think you're concentrating part. on the part that makes it. It doesn't work. That doesn't work. Yeah, exactly. So you need to stop concentrating on that part and then really concentrate on the part that like, you know, just like the idea of third and goal, the phrase, you know, it exists out there, right? It's in the paradigm of 
of football vernacular, right? It's there. Third and goal, right? But now you just say third and coal, and it doesn't have to relate exactly to that play because it's third, it and, third and it goes to Cole Beasley. But that's like a, a baseball player's name being uh, Home Run Hank, and he, and he hits a single. They're like, yeah, you did it, Home Run Hank. No, he, Home Run Hank has no. to hit a home run. <laughs> no, that's not the same because I'm not saying it's like – Third and touchdown. Third and goal for a first time. Touchdown. I'm not calling him touchdown Beasley. I'm saying third and convert. If you were to convert a third down. I got I got figured out. You ready? So it's third to go, right? Third and whatever to go. Third to Cole. How about that? It doesn't roll quite it doesn't roll off the tongue quite as well. (laughs) I I don't it it doesn't. It definitely makes sense. So you're admitting that third and cole rolls off the tongue really well. That's what I get out of that discussion. And I don't mind John's idea of third and two coal because it also includes most of my nickname that I've already created in third and coal. So I don't hate John's. Um, It's not the same as home run Hank. (laughs) I'm not saying touchdown Beasley. (laughs) And then every time he catches it and it's not a touchdown, it's like, oh, man, what a he looks for him on third down. Okay, that's all I'm saying. So third and coal. Um. <clears throat> Anywho, as far as the Bills' defense is concerned, the following players had forced fumbles. Jerry Hughes had the forced fumble on uh, Russell Wilson in the third quarter to open the second half, and Tredavious White recovered the fumble. A.J. Klein forced a fumble in the fourth quarter and recovered the fumble. He had a sack, a forced fumble, and a recovery in the same play. That's like a triple play. Should I call him triple play A.J.? Mike, you know, because of baseball, the triple plays when they get three outs and one, and you have AJ Klein, force fumble, a sack, and a recovery on triple play AJ. Is that better than third and Cole? I would say it's on the same level of absurdity. <laughs> <laughs> so we agree. <laughs> no, yeah. Uh, I like it. I'm starting to dig triple play AJ. Um, Let's go into the interceptions for the Buffalo Bills. Jordan Poyer had an interception today. Tredavious White had an interception today. He had a 28-yard return on that interception. Amazing play that he almost got a touchdown. We almost had our first taint of the season. Do you know how long it's been since we've had a good taint for the Buffalo Bills? Feels like ages. I have not seen a good taint from the Buffalo Bills since, I want to say, 2017? Maybe against the Falcons? That's a long time. We've just, I mean, there may have been a feint in that time, but no taints. All right. Um, sacks today. Tremaine Edmonds had a sack today. He was also the leading tackler for the Buffalo Bills with eight tackles, three assists. A.J. Klein had two sacks for today. Mario Addison had a sack. Jerry Hughes had a sack on the Seattle Seahawks side of the ball. Russell Wilson was 28 for 41, 390 yards, two touchdowns, and two interceptions. DJ Dallas was leading the way for the Seahawks rushing game. Um, Chris Carson was out injured today, which I think really truly helped the Bills in stopping DJ in stopping the run game. DJ Dallas was had seven carries for 31 yards and one touchdown. He is at 4.4 yards per carry. Travis Homer was the second leading rusher, six carries for 16 yards, 2.7 yards per carry. Russell Wilson only had two carries for five yards. He had that one touchdown, that QB sneak. 
uh, for two and a half yards per carry and so on from there. Leading receiver for the Seahawks, DK Metcalf, seven receptions on nine targets for 108 yards and one touchdown. David Moore, the second leading receiver for the Seahawks, four receptions on six targets for 71 yards and one touchdown. And then Travis Homer and a bunch of other guys that we don't care about. All right. We are going to take a quick... Oh, wait. No, I actually have a few more stats for today. That's okay. (laughs) Now, the people want to hear these amazing stats. When Josh Allen had that uh, touchdown pass to Gabriel Davis... With that gave him his third passing touchdown in the first half. It marked the, the Allen's first time throwing for three touchdowns in the first half of a game. Josh Allen, by the way, at one point, I believe he was 24 for 28 for 282 yards and three touchdowns at the end of the first half. It's just, just insane. That's a great, that's a great game. And he had that all in the first half. Jerry Hughes is now over 50 sacks as a bill. He has 50 and a half and his third on his third career game sack streak. Stephon Diggs had over 100 yards receiving on the day, his fourth 100-yard receiving performance of the season, which is insane. That marks the most by a bill since Sammy Watkins crossed the century mark five times in 2015. And there's still seven games left to go, so Stephon Diggs definitely might uh, tie that and surpass it. Zach Moss, finds the end, he found the end zone today. He now has rushing scores in consecutive games, the first Bills rookie running back to do so since Carlos Williams in 2015. Josh Allen had over 400 yards passing today, his second 400-yard performance of the season. He joins Drew Bledsoe in 2002 as the only Bills quarterbacks with two 400-yard games in one season. And those are the stats of the game. We're going to take a quick commercial break. After that, we'll go into our plays of the game, our Wall of Famers and Wall of Shamers, and we may even do our uh, Gettysburg of the game. You'll have to stick around and find out. All right, welcome back to Circling the Wagons, a Buffalo Rumblings podcast. This is our recap show. It is so good to be doing a recap show for you guys where the Buffalo Bills just, you know, they beat one of the best teams in the NFL. Um, I'm joining with my co-hosts, John and Mike. And if you're new to our podcast, uh, we do recap episodes after every game, each game throughout the entire season. We are going to now go into our Sweet Sassy Molassie Plays of the Game, brought to you by the DraftKings Sportsbook at DeLago. Sweet Sassy Molassie, get out the checkbook and pay grandma for the rubdown. All right, John, what do you have as your Sweet Sassy Molassie play in today's victory? I think it's got to be the A.J. Klein sack uh, force fumble and recovery as as just an individual play. It, it was just an amazing play. Triple play, A.J.? Yeah, that was an amazing Amazing play. I'd have to give that my sweet sassy molassy play of the game. Mike, what about you? Nate, for me, it was when the Bills were up 14-0 with a minute to go in the first quarter. The Seahawks had the ball. They had the long drive. It was fourth and one. And the defensive line got through, pressured Wilson, and he threw up the pass and Poyer picked it off. Bills went down and scored, made it 17-0, three-score game. And I just think had the Seahawks scored there to make it 14-7 you'd be like in a different ball game so for me that was crucial wait wait, wait. my play of the game that's your play of the game is that also so isn't that what we're talking about yeah no it absolutely is so let's talk about first off i want to give a real quick shout out to a couple that was a really good play mike um i agree with that one um i also really enjoyed the uh the jerry hughes forced fumble on russell wilson to start the second half 
where Trey, Trey White recovered the fumble at the Seattle 23 yard line. I thought that was a huge play, taking the, taking the, the wind out of the sails of a team where normally the Bills usually get trounced in the third quarter and they usually don't come out with the amazing adjustments, but the defense bailed them out like right after the first half. And then they ended up getting a field goal on that drive. But, um, but I also want to, uh, give a shout out to the fourth quarter where, the Bills defense sacked Russell Wilson twice in a row, and then Tredavious White gets an interception where it's a 28-yard return, and then Josh Allen gets the rushing touchdown right after. It was like only a four- or five-yard rushing touchdown because uh, Trey White has returned it so far. And uh, that set the Bills up for at 41-20, and uh, the Seahawks just, just couldn't score more than them after that point, after that touchdown. So good call of that. So if we're going to go into our Gettysburg of the game, so the play of the game is kind of a misnomer. It really should be plays. Plays of the Well, honorable mention to those plays as well. Not the okay. plays of the game, but they were also good game or good plays that we might not talk about unless we, you know, unless I bring them up just then. Yeah, fair enough. Okay. Fair enough. Um, this was this was a segment that we've been working on and you guys I appreciate everyone that tweets and, and messages us and so they want they want us to do the Gettysburg of the game. Four score and seven years ago. Now, the Gettysburg of the game is something we discussed like three or four weeks ago where Gettysburg in the Civil War was the turning point for the Union troops where they really started to to take over. And it's always been noted as the turning point of the war for the Civil War and where the Union ended up winning. And um, it, we mentioned it and... I think we're going to discuss this each week, at least when it when it's applicable, to a point in the game where it really turned the tide for the Buffalo Bills in favor. So, I mean, Mike, when you're mentioning that play of the game that you you just said, where it was the big stop and then the Poyer interception to stop the Seahawks at fourth and one, or, you know, fourth and goal, is that would that be your Gettysburg play of the game? Gettysburg of the game. I'll answer your question with a question. <laughs> So, yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love those questions. Those are, that was an easy question to answer. <laughs> but Gettysburg, we would say, is like can can from there... the perspective of of us, like history, certainly, and we live in the North, right? Um, it's the turning point of the Civil War because it put an end. Like Robert E. Lee, his his plan was to end it quick. Right, because they didn't. The South didn't have the material, the men, the manufacturing, the railroads. Like he knew he had to invade the North and end it before you had a war of attrition. Right, so that was his plan. So the fact that the North stopped it, if we're looking at it, that perspective, would it have to be? Sorry, this is very convoluted to get to the, the the question of does it have to be a defensive play of the game, a play by the defense, because it's Robert E. Lee. Right, invading the North, and the North stops it. So, the the play we've discussed with the player interception is like Seattle is like invading the Bills' territory, and they put a stop to it. So, so right on point, very applicable to the Gettysburg analogy. So, I'm going to answer your question <laughs> with a question, 
and say no, it doesn't have to. It doesn't. <laughs> it doesn't have to be about that. I didn't know we were bringing back the Gettys were playing. Dude, dude. All, sorry, you didn't tell me. So it could be any play of the game that switches the momentum. Yes, it switches the momentum. So I love that you explained that literal. You explained the meaning and the importance of Gettysburg because I completely forgot. I've been to Gettysburg and I didn't know that. So, um, so you have educated. Well, we don't me. care about any of that. We do- no, 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 no. Um, okay. Yeah, none of the real actual meaning and significance behind <laughs> one of the most important battles in you know the country's history. But uh, uh, no, but I think that just goes to your point that that's that was even that it's almost exactly that's that is the Gettysburg play of the game in a lot of different ways. Not only um, because you felt like it changed the momentum of the game or stopped momentum rather, it stopped the Seahawks from charging north. <laughs> <laughs> to maybe the Gettysburg play should be have to be a defensive play, and then we come up with an offensive play. Mm, Normandy play of the game, right? Yeah, storm the beaches of Normandy. Ooh, wow! Like the D Day play of the game. D Day, you just you just oh my god! Organically, I love it. So Mike's got the. <laughs> we we'll just get rid of the sweet sassy molassy plays of the game. I guess that's just over. We're just gonna go D Day versus <laughs> Gettysburg. There's gonna be like 25 different plays of the game segments, and we're gonna go. We're just essentially gonna read down the play by play box score <laughs> at NFL.com. <laughs> oh, that was the Battle of Emo Jima. <laughs> <laughs> that play was Custer's last stand. <laughs> And other battles I can't think of in U.S. history. Uh, well, let's start with Gettysburg. If we if people actually want a D-Day play of the game, we'll continue with that trend. Let's see if they even like the Gettysburg of the game. John, what is your Gettysburg of the game? With the understanding it has to be a defensive play. No, John, you well, can do whatever. John, John, for what now. Your questions? <laughs> What's that? John, for today, you can do whatever you want. But go ahead. Uh, I was going to answer your questions with yet another question. So you guys are talking about offense and defense, but what about special teams? Because that's going to be my Gettysburg play is the opening kickoff, which set the tone for the whole game, uh, completely changed the momentum. The Bills never looked back. They were in the lead the whole game. Big return. That's the play. 60-yard Andre Roberts return to open the game. I like that one. Man, special teams play the game. Mike, you're you're the American history buff. What is one where or the play of the game where they just start? What, what was a battle where they just started winning and they never looked back? They never lost a battle in the rest of the. I don't think that's ever happened. <laughs> I think I'm looking too far into this. Anyway, you could say Operation Desert Storm was fairly one sided, but uh, I think John brings up a different question. Like special teams would have to be its own complete, completely own thing, right? That would that's be like a, like a drone strike or something, like where it doesn't actually need people on the ground to win it <laughs> like it's a jeez mm. or more like a conflict like it's not even a war oh like, like undeclared cold war like yeah. sort of thing or like a or just yeah, one of those never... war by proxies like mm. where we don't fight the soviet union directly we just we just give them in a different country <laughs> <laughs> we just give them all the weapons to fight someone else or to f- give all the weapons to someone else to fight them <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh. yeah Tony Stark, Stark industry style. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, I think, I think my Gettysburg of the game is the, the play I mentioned earlier about the Jerry Hughes force fumble on Russell Wilson. I, I love all your, all your guys' uh, plays, both you and, and, 
both you, Mike, and John. Um, those were, I think there's, there, there was just another, every single time Russell Wilson had the ball in his hands, the momentum shifted <laughs> towards the Seahawks just because he's so freaking good. And then when the Bills stopped them somehow or created a turnover or ended up having, you know, uh, a positive play, either special teams wise or, or in the passing game. I mean, it was just, it was just switching back and forth. So, um, I like that one. It was funny. One of, one of our Twitter followers, I, I hope I get this right. I think it was private joker 2003. He's a member of the Marine Corps and he mentioned last week, Mike, and I know you're a big history buff about the, he's like, Oh, you guys should have done the Gettysburg of the game last week because, uh, Tyler Matikiewicz recovering the onside kick in the, to start the second half was like Pickett's charge in the Civil War. And I had to Google search this because I am not nearly as good at U.S. history. Could you give us a quick, um, just a quick breakdown? Give me like 10 seconds. Yeah, there was this guy named Pickett, and he led this charge up a hill and was (laughs) ill-advised. But he did it anyway, right? (laughs) (laughs) Like, it's usually not, it's, it's tough to attack like a fortified position, right, when you have guns. I feel like you could have just read the first couple sentences off Wikipedia or something. Oh, well, I basically, I mean, yeah, I could have. <laughs> well, I mean, you just explained the entire Battle of Gettysburg to me. So I wanted, uh, I figured you had more than just as a charge from his dude named Pickett. <laughs> it would be like general. Uh, <laughs> tell, tell the two me in four seconds. Uh, all right. So that was the Gettysburg of the game brought to you by the DraftKings Sportsbook at Delago. Thank you guys for entertaining us for that segment. Um, I, this is something that we tried doing last week, another segment before we get into our wall of famers and wall of shamers. We have the joke of the day brought to you by the DraftKings Sportsbook at Delago. Mike, what do you got for us today? What's the difference between a well-dressed man on a bike and a poorly dressed man on a unicycle? Wait, did I say unicycle correctly? Unicycle. <laughs> it felt a little weird coming off the tongue. Unicycle. <laughs> you said it right. That is the way okay. I completely understood you. I do those all the time where I'm like, did I say that right? Is that a real word? <laughs> Have I only just read that and never actually said it out loud, that word? <laughs> um, what is the difference between... That actually, you don't mind a tangent, right? When you're That story you just said, makes me reminds me of this thing a psychological phenomenon when you just repeat the same word over and over and it just loses all meaning it kind of happened for me like listening to the network coverage of the election just hearing joe biden joe biden joe biden over and over again like not to get political at all just like when you hear the same thing over and over it just loses all meaning word phrase whatever that's called semantic satiation isn't that fascinating like you've, you've got to ha- it happens like to everybody maybe once a year but like you never know the name for it. Wow. So you don't even do you just not register it because you're so tired of hearing it? Or can you get it back eventually if nobody says Joe Biden for like a year? Like do you all of a sudden you're like, like you'll get it back like within a couple of seconds. Oh with any word. If you just you could say John or Nick well, probably not your guys, your names has a little more meaning. But Yeah, sometimes. <laughs> what's in front of you? Like microphone. You just say microphone. 20 times i'm making up the number i don't know it's diff- probably different for different people different words but you've had the experience right where you just forget it just the word sounds completely foreign to you even though you've known it since you were four yeah like unicycle yeah how often are you saying unicycle in a day <laughs> <laughs> jeez 30 to 40 
What about you? <laughs> we get on before we actually hit record. Hey, Mike, how's it going? Unicycle, unicycle, unicycle. Oh, good, Nate. How's it going? <laughs> but isn't that interesting? That is extremely interesting. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, yeah. You should try. Like, you can just, before you fall asleep, just say the, say a word over and over and over again. And you'll be like, what? It'll blow your mind. So, hmm. anyway. Should you approach that with, like, there? should you approach that with things that scare you? Like, uh, if you're like, loneliness, 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 loneliness. <laughs> <laughs> or whatever. Loneliness, you'll loneliness. forget the meaning of the word, but you'll just have this horrible sense of impending dread. <laughs> <laughs> I've never thought about loneliness so much. I just don't even care about the word though okay so so what was life the... is meaningless and i'll die alone jeez <laughs> oh, <laughs> uh so what was the joke again what, what's the what difference, the between... difference between a well-dressed man on a bike and a poorly dressed man on a unicycle and the answer is attire not bad not bad not bad. Is this from a dad jokes book that you own? <laughs> this is. What's the next segment? What do you think about? Well, so I try and keep it clean. I, I I appreciate you keeping it clean. We'll just rename the seg- the segment Mike's dad joke of the day. <laughs> Who doesn't love a good dad joke? <laughs> Dude, it, it's more applicable. You can tell it to people in your life, like when you go to Thanksgiving dinner or when you're in an interview and they're like, "Oh, tell me a joke," and the, the top ten that pop into your head are all like. For, have a swear word in them. <laughs> the first, so there's two things to what you just said. The first thing is that joke is going to kill with like your five year old nephew. Like you're just going to like murder. I don't know about the rest of your family at Thanksgiving, but that that's definitely going to do well. And then the other thing is like that would be an awesome job interview if there's like tell a joke and <laughs> actually mattered. That would be the coolest. I mean, I would fail at it, but now if anyone gets it from now on, they'll have a fallback. I love it. So you're not only entertaining with that joke of the day but you're also helping people's social lives or potential career-changing job interviews multifaceted for sure great all right mike's dad joke of the day brought to you by the DraftKings sportsbook at delago let's go into our i'm not i'm not going with dad joke of the day you have a clean joke of the day or life helping joke of the day i i think you're giving yourself too much credit in life helping <laughs> we just you know, it's funny. I had a dream last night that I was a muffler. I woke up exhausted. <laughs> All right. I love think I love it. All right. John's going to get his own segment, too. How about John's will be dad joke of the day and Mike's will be um, jokes to tell at a social gathering, which we're technically not supposed to be having a ton of right now with everything going on in the world. <laughs> Mike's family Zoom meetings will be a riot, though, if you tell either of those jokes. Let's go into our Wall of Famers and Wall of Shamers brought to you by the DraftKings Sportsbook at Delago. First, let's do our Wall of Fame. John, who are you going to put on your Wall of Fame for today's win? Wall There are so many good candidates. I mean, Josh Allen, Trey White. Uh, AJ Klein, uh, the coaches. I'm just going to put everybody on the wall of fame. Everybody had a great game today. It was a great team effort. And Mike can shit on this all he wants, but I'm putting everybody up there. Yeah, I'll shit on. <laughs> like, should you? But the Hall of Fame. Just let everybody in. 
Like give, give everybody the, the participation trophy. It just it just dilutes it and waters it down for everybody. They literally, it would be the essential. It would be like draft picks walking up on stage, giving Roger Goodell a hug, and they just hand up. They just fit them <laughs> for a Hall of Fame yellow jacket. <laughs> 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 Welcome to the NFL, and you've been inducted into the Hall of Fame class 20 years from now. Congratulations. <laughs> I mean, that's exactly what he's I'm saying. I'm just so that's blessed. How ridiculous it is. There's nothing like that. This is like a player of the game scenario, not a career scenario. No, that's fair. Everyone on that sideline on this natural extension on that. Everyone on that side of the stadium gets to be on, on the, the wall of fame. Right. <laughs> Yeah, the player of the game is Josh Allen. You've already gone over the stats. It's just I shudder to think if he were to get injured, what the Bills would look like. He's far and away the most valuable player on the team um, in that respect to me. Irrespective of the touchdown passes, I just think the way he's able to extend the plays, shrug off the would-be tacklers, It's he's starting to set himself apart from other quarterbacks in the league just with his skill set. It's great to watch. Yeah. To to, to elaborate, elaborate on, on what you're saying, Mike, I think the pocket passing is as good or as – it was the best possibly it's been in his career with staying in the pocket. There was pressure all around. Maybe that helps with having John Feliciano back at center um, and guard. But um, I think just his presence on the offensive line has just really helped out in pass protection more than um, it has in previous weeks. And I, I, I am going to go with AJ Klein today uh, only for the fact that um, part of me feels bad for like just ragging on him the first seven, eight weeks of the season. Um, it was rightful. I, it was rightfully done. I, there were everyone that's criticized AJ Klein for not being able to tackle or whatever. I mean, he vindicated himself today, which is what you want to see. Whenever you criticize or whenever we criticize these players, we don't do it as a form of negativity just to vent. I mean, that's part of it. But really, we're saying that and hoping that by talking about it out loud, by criticizing them, that like it gets better. We don't do this just as a as a means of a completely negative way. We want them to succeed and be better in all aspects. And AJ Klein proved himself today. I mean, he proved himself uh, with potentially being one of the main reasons why the Bills won today, which is insane because of what Mike mentioned on, on how good of a day that Josh Allen had today. I mean, this that was, I mean, Josh Allen has to be in the MVP conversation after today's game. And I know he's been out of it since, you know, he had some, he had, I mean, they show the stats from the first four games versus the last four games previous to today. They weren't great. They weren't great the last four games. And today he proved again um, against one of the best teams in the league that he is one of the best quarterbacks today. So let's go into our wall of shame segment of the game. Shame. 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 John, who are you going to put on your wall of shame in today's victory? Well, since I put everybody on the wall of fame, uh, I guess I have nobody on my wall of shame. Mike, do you want to? Compelling podcasting. <laughs> Thank you for extending the conversation, John. All right, Mike, who is on your wall? So, <laughs> who is on your wall of shame? For me, it's the coaching staff or the people in the booth or whoever is responsible for reviewing the play. That was specifically in the third quarter when Ellen had the long pass to Gabriel Davis, which 
looked like a touchdown, was called back, um, just not challenging. The Bills ultimately kicked a field goal to make it 27-10, but the game was still in question at that point. The Seahawks threatened and made it closer, and it just that could have come back to bite you. And we always rag on the announcers or the replay crew, but that one they knew instantly. Um, and you just, I would have liked to see the Bills been more on top of that. Like sometimes when you're playing defense, it's a little bit more forgivable because the offense can rush up to the line and call up, can hike the ball, right? And you're you're limited. Um, but yeah, I think that that was taking points off the board. Yeah, I'm I'm a little surprised they didn't challenge that play. But then again, I mean, Sean McDermott in his career as a Buffalo Bills head coach is has only had three out of 17 challenges actually go its way. So maybe he's just looking at chances or odds of them doing that. Maybe somebody from the analytics department was like, hey, there's not a good chance. But then Mike Pereira comes on, or whoever it was, one of those guys, Dean Blandino, whatever, comes on and is like, yeah, I would have uh, I would have called that the other way. So then it just kind of, uh, like, ah, he probably should have called that. That was a good one, Mike. Um, I'm just going to, for my yeah, wallet. Like, to your point, though, about like he doesn't have a good record, well, those are all sins of commission like throwing the flag you don't we don't know like the omissions like that that's a big one and it won't show up anywhere like oh he, he failed it but it was a big one yeah he was yeah 0 for 10 on challenges he should have made <laughs> huh. i'm going to put on my wall of shame today uh taryn johnson uh specifically with i mean th- there was just a lot of plays over the middle yet again. I don't know if that was part of the game plan. I doubt. Well, I doubt it's ever the game plan to have the tight ends and slot receivers just run all over the middle and uh, catch passes all day long, and get first downs. But um, there was that one play. Uh, I believe it was in the fourth quarter where um, they completely forget about David Moore. And Russell Wilson throws, chucks up a 55-yard touchdown to him, and he's just standing in the end zone all by himself. <laughs> and it's just like he just, Taryn just forgot about him. He just didn't keep with him, and uh, he he got a touchdown out of that. Um, and in in a closer game, that would have really mattered, and that put, could have potentially been the touchdown. That because at that point they were down by, let's see, they were down 41 to 20. So the only thing that's really going to keep them in the fourth quarter going is quick passes or quick scores, I should say. And that was the quickest of scores. I think that was like, you know, there was less than a minute drive to score a touchdown. I mean, you put enough of those together and you could easily come back. And luckily the Bills defense did shut them down besides that play. Uh, but I'm just going to put Taron Johnson on it. He's just had a rough season. We talked about AJ Klein having a rough season until today. We have not seen a Taron Johnson get right game yet um, in the past game. And uh, today was no different. It was it was really tough to find someone on the wall of shame. I think you guys would all agree on that. It was such a good game for the most part. And even Taron Johnson, I mean, he's not like the worst guy on the team. It was just uh, the Bills overall played such a such a good game on both sides in all three phases of the game. All right, let's go to Twitter to get some reaction for um, every after every game I post on Twitter. If you're not following us, please do at CTW Pod. That's at Circling the Wagons Pod. I ask who or what is on your wall of fame and wall of shame for today's game. And we got a ton of responses. So thank you to everyone that follows us and get, and gives us a response. Dave Thorpe writes in. Now, Dave is the winner of our Instagram contest where we gave away a John Brown jersey. So congrats to Dave for doing that. If you're not following us on Instagram, please do. We're at CTW pod, like at Circling the Wagons pod. Dave Thorpe writes in wall of shame. 
After that win, I think he means wall of fame. After that win, I'm not ashamed to say the whole team deserves it. Offense was awesome. D was ruthless and special teams set the tone from the kickoff. Wow. Huge result. Wall of shame injuries. Can't we just have the good stuff without any bad? The refs were generally, generally poor again in penalties. Great point by Dave. Um, the, there was the injury to Brian Winters earlier in the game. I believe Cody Ford went out and then Tredavious White went out and he hobbled to the sidelines. So we'll have to keep our eyes on those injuries as the week goes on in practice. Um, there was definitely some uh, poor penalties called against the Bills, particularly some roughing the passer calls against Russell Wilson. Definitely agree with Dave on that one. Andrew Insing writes, Wall of Fame, AJ Klein. The dude brought it today and deserves Wall of Fame after so many shames. Wall of Shame, Taron Johnson for giving up that big touchdown. Just so you know, AJ, Andrew had the same Wall of Fame and Wall of Shame with me. And, and at Andy End Zone 33 is my burner account, just if you guys are wondering. Adam Talmage writes, Wall of Fame, AJ, I'm just lying about that, by the way. I definitely don't have a burner account. Well, maybe I do. Wall of Fame, Adam writes, AJ Klein, can't believe I said that. Made huge plays, including the sack fumble. You mean the sack, force fumble, fumble recovery, Adam. You mean triple play, AJ? Um, Wall of, the defense, this is still Wall of Fame, defense, forced turnovers, got sacks, blitzed well, and limited the top receivers in the league. Absolutely. Uh, Josh Allen, is he still inaccurate, he writes? Uh, Obviously being sarcastic with that comment. Wall of Shame, Adam writes, offensive line, a beat-up squad, but somebody put a block on Jamal Adams, please. (laughs) B. Mormon 2020 writes, Wall of Fame, Bills linebackers and secondary stepped up today, but the whole offense. Andre Roberts on on the opening kick, the list goes on. Wall of Shame, the Seattle defense <laughs> Diggs was all was all open or was all over the open field today. Mark writes in wall of fame. AJ Klein should be here alone, given that he was the punching bag for the bills, mafia and commentators all week. Absolutely. Great point by Mark wall of shame, turf related injuries. Is there a problem with the new turf? Hopefully we just have bad luck. That's a really interesting topic. I wonder, um, I hadn't even thought about that, but that is interesting. Beanie, the 7-2 Bills fan, writes, Oh, it's a lady. She says, Wall of shame. For weeks, I've been tough on admins and Klein, and today they played great, especially for missing Milano. That is an excellent point by Beanie. Uh, We didn't even mention Tremaine Edmonds. This was probably his best game of the season. I mean, he was making plays in the backfield. He he had a sack today. He he just seemed to be... uh, there when they needed him um, in the passing game, coverage-wise, uh, I was very happy with Tremaine Edmonds. Wall of Fame, uh, not a lot to complain about. So stupid penalties, giving up easy yardage. I think she means Wall of Shame by that. I was nervous today, but this was a statement. There's nobody in the NFL that scares me. Frederick Shock writes, the Bills made this tough because they played so well. Wall of Fame, linebackers Klein and Edmonds for silencing some critics, myself included. Wall of Shame, blown coverage on that long TD pass in the fourth. Let's go, Buffalo. Yeah, I think we all deserve. We all had a uh, nice helping of humble pie after today's victory for um, ragging on the Bills linebacking core and them not even having Matt Milano. Matt Milano that was just placed on injured reserve this past weekend. Josh Allen Stan writes, Wall of Fame, give it to the whole team. Even Klein played well. Geez, John, is that your burner account? 
give it to the whole team. Wall of shame, officiating. I thought they did a poor job of consistently calling penalties that protect the QB for both sides. It was a dangerous day for Ross and Josh. Yeah. Phil Zone Ready writes, Phil Zone Ready is one of the biggest fans of Third and Cole, by the way. I just got a shout out to Phil Zone Ready. Appreciate, appreciate you appreciating a good nickname, Phil. Uh, Wall of Fame, Josh, hashtag Messiah Allen. If I have to explain it, you didn't watch. How come everybody that agrees with you, you're like, oh, I agrees with me. Somebody agrees with me. Mm-hmm. Crickets. <laughs> Has anyone agreed with you yet? I don't think so. Maybe John once. I just I gave John a credit, so that I, his I gave his burner account a credit. So how's that? The tw- the, the person who just wrote in. <laughs> oh, the one that said Josh Allen is the Messiah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I guess. I guess. Oh, <laughs> uh, Phil. Okay, here we go. Phil Phil Zone Ready agrees with Wall of with Mike on this one. Wall of Fame Josh Messiah Allen. If I have to explain it, you didn't watch. Uh, Wall of Fame Leslie Frazier finally blitzing and causing chaos against the Hawks' potent offense. If it weren't for a couple of broken plays on D, this game would have been total domination. Wall of Shame, none. Boom, 7-2. and two. Obnoxious Ram writes, Wall of Fame, Alan Diggs, Bees, Smoke, and Davis. Congrats to AJ Klein on a big day along with Edmonds and the defensive line getting pressure. Trey White, a pick, and held Metcalf down on yards after catch. Roberts, a good day, kick, kick returning. Wall of Shame, Deion Dawkins, and Dawson Knox. Taron Toast Johnson blowing his coverage. <laughs> there was that one missed block by Dawson Knox where uh, Jamal Adams just went right around him. <laughs> so disappointing to see. And then there was a play, I think it was it was either the first touchdown or the second touchdown, where I saw Dawson Knox get open and Josh Allen did not throw the ball to Dawson Knox in the end zone. Um, I don't know if he's just worried that he might not catch it or if he didn't see him open. Either way, the Bills got a touchdown on that play. Buffalo Ceilings writes, Wall of Fame, Allen and Roberts. Big day for Josh Allen, but that 60-yard return got the ball rolling in such a big way. Wall of Shame, the offensive line for letting in seven sacks. Some on Josh, but still, ouch. That was a good call by Buffalo Ceilings. Um, we didn't mention that the Seahawks had seven seven sacks today. We mentioned the Bills had five sacks against the Seahawks, but we forgot to mention that the Seahawks had seven sacks against the Bills' offensive line, which is crazy because sometimes it felt like he had time. Um, I don't know if it's a matter of, of him holding onto the ball too long. I guess you know we'll find out more later this week. JNC Bills fan writes, Wall of Fame, toss-up between Klein and Edmonds. Both showed up today and proved haters wrong. Wall of Shame, the Allen Knox prayer touchdown celebration. That is a COVID risk if ever there was one. Come on, man. <laughs> Joe Forrest writes, Wall of Fame, the whole team. The offense moved the ball and scored touchdowns. Defense played out of their minds, and special teams played great too. Finally, <laughs> someone agrees with John, I should say. <laughs> Finally, 2020 Bills team showed us how great this team can be all year long. Wall of Shame, the refs missed calls, and the Fox Fox broadcast team was horrible today. Um, yeah, they were bad. They were bad. Brock Heward, who I don't even know. Damon Damon Heward, I don't even know the people. Chris Myers, who are these commentators? I don't even know who they are. Bill's loser QB rights, QB club rights. Wall of Shame, Levi Wallace. He kept getting beat all day in the O-line, regardless of injuries. They need to project, protect Josh Allen better. Wall of Fame, Josh Allen, and our t- entire wide receiving core. 
there was that big third down stop by Levi Wallace that I will give him credit for. AJ Tharp writes in Wall of Fame, I don't care what anyone says, it's got to be AJ Klein. He actually made plays today. No one, me included, saw that happening. Wall of Shame, no one. So I'll take this time to say that third and Cole is not a thing. Why did I even read that? AJ, third and Cole is not a thing. Ah. I can't believe I just read that tweet. Philip Whitaker writes, Wall of Fame, Josh freaking Allen. Play calling was finally back to how it was the first few weeks, and the linebackers finally had a great stand-up game. CC Klein, Wall of Shame penalties. Can't really complain about much this game. Jason Statham is in. He writes, Wall of Fame, the entire team from the moments Robert return, Roberts returned the ball back 60 yards, we looked up for it. Wall of Shame can't really fault anyone, even Calvin Klein. So let's give it to the refs for protecting Wilson. <laughs> best best all-around performance from the Bills I've seen in years. Absolutely. Devin Brown writes in Wall of Fame, my favorite whipping boy, AJ Klein. Allen had another great game, but Klein making actual plays is more noteworthy. Wall of Shame to the pass protection. Josh is getting hit way too often. Mike, you alluded to that earlier was saying, you know, a major injury to Josh Allen, and uh, this season goes sideways. Carl G S or Carl S G hashtag Go Bills writes, "What a game! Wall of Fame. Tremaine stood up, and DK as well, taken care of by Trey and Levi. Josh Allen and Dable were amazing. Wall of Shame. Bahorquez didn't have his best game, and the refs were awful. What a win! It would be insane in the Ralph." Go Bills from Quebec City. Yeah, that would have been a good game for uh, fans to go to, unfortunately. Randall U writes, Wall of Fame, this coaching staff, hell of a game plan on both sides of the ball. No way Seattle prepared for that style of defense, even though they still scored 34. Allen, for showing he's a franchise quarterback, made some amazing checks at the line of scrimmage, and Tremaine Edmonds. Wall of Shame, not Klein. <laughs> he writes, very funny. Bills Mafia 315 writes, Wall of Fame, Josh, obviously, but I'll go a little obscure too with Andre Roberts. Set the tone, taking that opening kickoff 60 plus yards. Had another good punt and kickoff return later. Wall of Shame, COVID. Wish fans could have been there. Absolutely. Well put. Josh Rinkin writes, Wall of Fame, the Bills defense finally showing up. Shout out to the beleaguered AJ Klein. With that forced fumble recovery, 7-2. and two. Eric Helwig writes, Wall of Fame, the coaching staff, aggressive on both sides of the ball, which made up for loss of Milano. Pressured Wilson from all different directions. Wall of Fame also, uh, Stefan Diggs. That is why you go get a number one wide receiver. <laughs> Absolutely. John Brown still almost had 100 yards today. Stefan Diggs was unbelievable. Wall of Shame, nobody. Solid team win. Megatron writes, in, she says, Wall of Fame, Josh Allen, Trey White finally showed up, and Diggs was all over the field. Wall of Shame, Russell Wilson, LOL. Honorable mention, AJ Klein, I hate him, but I mean, at least he made a play today. Can't hate him anymore? Can't hate him. This is what we're seeing from now on. <laughs> let's not hold our breath, but let's hope. Let's hope, but let's not hold our breath. <laughs> Mike, 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 what day is it, writes... <laughs> Wall of Fame, Allen, Davis, Klein, Effett, everyone. Special nod to Dable. Wall of Shame, I feel good, none today. Jeez, that now another one that sounds like John's burner account. Phil Masterson writes, Wall of Fame, 
Hard to single out anyone after that performance but the coaching staff for that game plan. Honorable mention for Josh Allen and A.J. Klein. A.J. Klein, he writes like, question mark, exclamation point, question mark, exclamation point. Like, just like, am I saying this? Wall of shame penalties, but that's nitpicking. Yeah, absolutely. Keep up the great work. Statement win and go Bills. Emmett 21 writes, he he gives a wall of fame and he basically mentions everyone on the Bills offense and defense. And then Wall of Shame refs. 7-2. and two, This is all caps, though, so I have to read this part. Imagine somebody screaming at you, all caps. 7-2, and two, baby. Let's go. What do I do with my hands? <laughs> M writes in. She says, Wall of Fame, McKenzie touchdown setting the tone for the rest of the game with the help of the kick return run from Andre Roberts. Hughes forced fumble and White's rec- White recovered. Josh Allen, baby. Levi Wallace being surprisingly good today. White for the significant turnover and the almost touchdown. They almost got a taint, actually, on that one, M. Um, AJ Klein, question mark. Sean McDermott's face mask being right right side up. <laughs> and a wall of shame. AJ Klein for being stereotypical AJ Klein. Um, that's interesting. I, I don't think she means that. AJ Klein had a really good game today, but... Um, Michigan at Wall of Fame. Nick T writes in, Wall of Fame, the Bills Stadium turf. It was res- resilient despite Russell Wilson hitting it hard 16 times. <laughs> nice, Nick. I love it. Drew Hesch writes in, Wall of Fame, Allen for the air raid offense. Whole defense for big, for big plays. Special mention, surprisingly, AJ Klein for being a difference maker. Wall of Shame, difficult because overall a good game, but the secondary mostly remains to be soft. Lucas Smith writes in wall of shame, me ignoring all my responsibilities all day to watch this game. (laughs) Sean Lonigan writes wall of fame, AJ Klein. Wow. Maybe he's not the worst in the world. (laughs) Wall of shame CBS for that shit. Marvel-esque caricature of Josh Allen looks nothing like him. (laughs) That was actually Fox today. It's crazy. It was like our first, maybe first second Fox game of the season, but yeah, um, that was, Mike, you brought that up on previous podcasts. That is such a weird caricature slash like, yeah, it's like a comic book styling of all these, these players. It's just, it's kind of lame. Sam G writes in everyone wall of fame. Great from Josh. Every receiver contributing Robert starts it with a big special teams play. And the defense was superb with the takeaways and pressure complete game. Best. I can remember the bills playing well put by Sam on that one. Sam G. All right, let's get in some new tweeters to the podcast. My other car is a llama. <laughs> it was hard to read because every word is together and there's no change in punctuation or no change in capitalization. My other car is a llama, writes, Wall of Fame, everyone played really well, but if I got to narrow it down, got to give it to Josh, AJ Klein, and Tremaine Edmonds. They were always in the right place and really stepped up their game today. But everyone played their hearts out, both sides of the ball. Hashtag third and Cole. Mike and John can suck it. <clears throat> now they didn't actually write that. They did. He did say hashtag third and Cole. He did not say Mike and John can suck it. That was that was all me. But uh, <laughs> Private Joker two thousand three writes. This was this was a gentleman I mentioned earlier. It was part of our Marine Corps that was mentioning Pickett's charge. He writes in you can't you cannot give. You can't not give Wall of Fame to the guy who produced four total touchdowns and completed nearly 80% of his passes for more than 400 yards. 
But in any other game, it would be AJ Klein. He literally lifted Russell Wilson off his feet and stole his lunch on the Gettysburg of the game. <laughs> Hashtag Gettysburg of the game. Oh, big fan. Big fan of that, man. Who is my favorite tweeter with the pickets charge, but just totally wrecked it with the double negation? You can't not. That was that's not his fault. That was my fault for not reading it right. Does it? Is that what it says? He's no. He writes. You can't not give Wall of Fame. Well, yeah. But just I mean, say, just say, give it to this guy. <laughs> I like it. I think it actually. Like we're doing propositional logic in our in our head as we follow this line. Okay, can't not. <laughs> so, it's, so it negates that. So then the first statement is true. Not a whatever. That was so I I actually think it's my fault for butchering it because I don't read correct I can't not read correctly. <laughs> I can't not read incorrectly or correctly. <laughs> I I like I it makes you sound more intelligent when you th- say things like that. If you're just like give it the give the wall of fame to Josh Allen, you said you can't not give it to Josh Allen. That just sounds <laughs> like you're a more intelligent person by saying that way but it screws me up by reading it and that's my own thing that's my you know seventh grade level I disagree like, oh. it's not a standard way of constructing a sentence mm. using two negatives mm. yeah okay well that makes me feel better because i butchered reading it so it's it's not me it's his fault that's okay all right like i hashtag third and coal <laughs> i won't bake no cake right like no just, I, I'll bake a cake. <laughs> you can't not bake a cake for a birthday. <laughs> I still don't mind it. I'm not. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. I like what you're saying, Mike, because it makes me feel not dumb for the way I read it. But I also like what he says because after reading it again, I'm like, ah, I get it. I like it. Hashtag Got Gettysburg it. the game. Agree to disagree. I can't not disagree with you. <laughs> Wait, what was his? What's what's his Gettysburg of the game? Is it a defensive play? It was AJ Klein. <laughs> it was AJ All Klein right. lifting right, Russell Wilson off his feet and stole. So, so if we end up making the Gettysburg of the game the defensive play of the game, and we'll make what the D Day play of the game for the offensive play of the game, we'll just get rid of Sweet Sassy Molassie. <laughs> we'll do them all. See what he th- see what uh, our military historian thinks. Yeah. Okay. Have people write in. You mean the one you just shit all over, like for his yeah. grammar? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, great. Yeah, but that's, kind of, that's. I mean, I think that's a, a logical fallacy too, right? Like, it's like a. If you're very good in one area, it doesn't mean you're good in another. Like, that's the halo effect, right? Like, I show up on time. I'm reasonably well groomed. You think I'm not going to murder you? Like, those are logically not. They have nothing to do with each other, right? So, like, he he could be the best military historian on Twitter, but Ted Bundy, shittiest. English grammar. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> he could be the best and, contributor. We want his expertise with military history. Military so, history. Is there a better offensive? <laughs> Pickett's charge. Um, Gettysburg. Yeah. Nice. Full charge ahead. Full steam ahead. Ted Bundy. Ted Bundy was a decent looking guy. <laughs> Killed a lot. Of... <laughs> Nobody would have thought that he would have done it. He did it several times. Um are you sure you're thinking of the the Ted Bundy and not the Ted Bundy like you've seen in Netflix? Because usually they get actors who are better looking than the real person. Oh, Zach Efron, you mean? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean that's what they always that's what they always mention in the Ted Ted Bundy documentary was like everyone thought he was like this great looking guy. 
Like that that was that's all they would and then like women over Twitter would say like <laughs> would essentially talk about being turned on by seeing the Ted Bundy documentary with why I mean not every woman obviously because some women are you know not turned on by serial killers but some of them were oddly enough talking about how it he's not that bad looking a guy that's all they were saying um anyway Mike well, that's like I will say the only time in history that the real life person can then hold a candle to the movie star right it's like every real story like you're watching the movie for two hours and then they go to show them okay. show the people at the end okay. like oh here, here's the real person that did it like, <laughs> <laughs> like back back in the day it was like michelle pfeiffer playing this this woman who was like instead like oh what she really looked like <laughs> that is that is not michelle pfeiffer in real life <laughs> Yeah, it never works the other way where the person's actually better looking in real life than the actor or actress. Never. Never. Except for uh except for Ted Bunny. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh Mike Graham writes in. He says, Wall of Fame, Josh Allen. I cannot believe I am saying this, but Klein. What? Have a day. Finally, he f- maybe he finally got a started or fire started underneath him. Wall of shame, Johnson for forgetting that a Seahawks wide receiver was running to the end zone. We are seven and two for the first time of my life. That is awesome. Congratulations to Mike Graham for that. Mike, John, you had stats about the Buffalo Bills records being seven and two, being this far into the season, being seven and two, how they've done historically. You mind giving us our weekly rundown of how those teams have fared and what we could potentially expect for the Bills uh, going into the rest of the season? Sure, Nate. Uh, so. The Bills are 7-2 for the first time since 1993. This is the ninth time they've gone 7-2, and two, or better. The previous eight times included the Super Bowl years, so that, that was half the times. Um, 1988, where they made it to the AFC Championship game but lost. 1974, where they made the playoffs but lost. And the 64 and 65 AFL title games. So six of the eight times they made it to the final championship game. Wow. That's incredible. John, good job compiling stats. <laughs> but Thank you. I'm just not this is why do we look backwards, right? You can't start the next chapter of your life if you keep rereading the last one. Like I'm sick of oh back in the nineteen ninety five. This is not John. But like we should be focusing on the future, Nate. <laughs> <laughs> well let me answer this- your this, this could be like the next the next big Bills thing, right? Like, so they had the, the AFL titles, they have the Super Bowl years. This could be the verge of the next big thing. That's what nobody that's cares showing. about the AFL titles except you. <laughs> Jeez, we we were not even a, a twinkle in our father's eyes when those were <laughs> when those games happened. But I mean, it's good to read about them or see highlights of them. Is it? You're, like, be future looking, right? Like right now, after that game, they have a ninety-four percent chance of making the playoffs this year, and an eighty-eight percent chance to win the division. Like that's actually information that's potentially useful or interesting. <laughs> like that affects us today. Yeah. <laughs> and so, like Jim Kelly doesn't give a shit about nineteen ninety-four or whatever year you said. I blacked out. <laughs> well, that's what's co- that's a good point, Mike. As far as like people might be talking about the 2020 season in the future when referencing all these other great years where the Bills started off and went really far. 
Like we're like, oh, the Super Bowl years and the 2020 Bill season. Or it could have been the Super Bowl years and the Super Bowl winning years. Yes, yes. The start of the dynasty, their first Super Bowl win. Yes, I am all, I'm here for that. You're welcome. <laughs> Let you. me answer your question with a question. Thank you for that, John. <laughs> Josh uh, Allen. Oh, go ahead. You no, know, I was just, if we're looking forward, I think, are we looking forward? No. Go ahead. No, not yet. Not yet. I got a couple okay, of more. Sorry. I want to do I'm a couple sorry. of more Wall of Famers and Wall of Shamers from um, Twitter. Patrick Sheltra writes, Wall of Fame, AJ Klein and Tremaine Edmonds. Josh, Dable, O-Line, Bass, Waterboys, Coaches, everyone. <laughs> the people cleaning the toilets. Um, Wall of Shame. He didn't write that. I just said that. Wall of Shame, McDermott failing to challenge the Davis touchdown. I can't think of anything else. Yep. And Mike. Got one that that one. Mike Taylor writes in Wall of Fame, Allen and AJ Klein question mark. A lot of people writing when they mention AJ Klein, there's a question mark after that. After that response, like, am I actually saying this? Are these words being typed into Twitter? He writes, it feels really weird to type that. <laughs> I swear I didn't read this ahead of time. He says it feels really weird to type this. Oh, and not letting your foot off the gas. Absolutely. Great point by Mike. Wall of shame, the 55-yard pass. I don't even know who caught it. It really didn't matter in the end, but still a mental trip. Trip up. I declare the Bills winners in the state of domination. Wow. Really bringing a full circle back to the... We don't talk politics on this, Mike, okay? Stop trying to talk politics for us. So thank you again for everyone that always contributes to our Wall of Famers and Wall of Shamers. For each and every game, that segment brought to you by the DraftKings Sportsbook at DeLago. Let's look at, wait, let's real quick, let's do a couple of giveaways before we go into next week's game where we discuss the Bills opponent in week 10. Uh, we do a giveaway every week on the podcast, and we have, we're going to give away two different items today a Harrison Phillips signed Bills jersey and a Harrison Phillips signed helmet. And if you're wondering how you can get in, on one of these giveaways, if you're a new listener or just one that's never done this before, just leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Just mention us somewhere in the review. You can mention, obviously, any of the other great podcasts within the network. But leave us a five-star review. Mention CTW Pod, Circling Wagons, and you will be in the running for it for one of these uh, items. So the first winner is Andrew underscore GK11, Andrew underscore GK11. And the other winner is JDK underscore II. That's JDK underscore II. Whoever gets back to me first, either message me on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Whoever gets to me first gets to pick either the jersey or the signed helmet. And uh, yeah, email us at ctwpod at gmail.com. We'll go from there. So Mike, let's look at the DraftKings Sportsbook at DeLago odds for next week's game. First of all, who are they playing? Yeah, next week, Nate, they're playing the Cardinals. It's a 4.05 p.m. start. It's in Arizona, and I'll let you guys guess. <laughs> what do you think the point spread is? Let's see. The Bills beat the Card- or the Bills beat the Seahawks. The Seahawks beat the Cardinals. It's in Arizona, three points. The Dolphins just beat the Cardinals today, 34-31. to I think the Bills are going to be favored, but not by much. John, why don't you go first this time? I feel like I go first every time, even though I've talked it out. Buffalo by 23 and a half. 
I'm going to go under that spread, Mike. <laughs> no, I get it. John, give us a real one. Bills have got to be favored, right? Mike, what is it? Pick them. Pick them. Pick them. Mike, what are the Cardinals' record now? What is the Cardinals' record? Here, I got to hear. The Cardinals are 5-3. and three. So the 7-2 and two Bills against the 5-3 and three Cardinals. John, what'd you say? Pick them. Yeah, I'm going to go more. <laughs> I'm going to say the Bills are... I'm just going to take a guess. I know I'll win it if I say more than pick them. I think the Bills are favored by three and a half. Yeah, so with the DraftKings Sportsbook at DeLago and a couple of others, I had to check a couple of different spots. So I was surprised by this. The Cardinals are favored by one and a half points. No kidding. Wow, John. You were I thought that was a really dumb guess by you for that. <laughs> I thought it was a wasted guess. I'll say that. My true answer is twenty three and a half. <laughs> Let the record show, John. Oh, that's hilarious. Mike, where would you put the money on that one? I think just based on what we just said, I think we're all putting our money on Buffalo on that point spread. Yeah, I'm really surprised the Bills aren't favored. I mean, it's it's going to be tough to go west, but the Cardinals just lost to the Dolphins. They don't – whereas the Bills just beat Seattle, right? We talked about a signature statement win. The Cardinals did beat the 49ers week one, but the Niners aren't the team we thought they were. The Cardinals beat up on the Washington football team. The Lions beat the Cardinals in week three. Panthers beat the Cardinals week four. Cardinals beat up on the Jets. Cardinals beat up on the Cowboys. Cardinals just squeaked by the Seahawks in overtime. And then they lost to the Cardinals. So like I I, I don't see a signature win in there at all. No, they beat up on the teams that are really bad. The Cowboys without Dak and the Jets, which are terrible. And okay. All right. So if you're out there, uh, over at the DraftKings Sportsbook at Delago, man, you got to hammer that one. If you're thinking anywhere along, well, if you're if you're John and you think the Bills are going to win by 23, you have to hammer that Cardinals one and a half point <laughs> spread. <laughs> John like teases it the other way. He teases it so it's like <laughs> like Cardinals like minus ten, <laughs> like the exact opposite way just to win less money. Um, yeah, so thank you guys all for listening to us. Thank you guys for checking us out. If you're new to our podcast or our podcast network, hit that subscribe button. You will be, you will have all of the narratives coming out of today's win. You will be, they'll be discussing everything, injuries, the preview for next week's game. We have you all covered here at the Buffalo Rumblings Podcast Network. So hit that subscribe button. Thank you guys all for listening. We're going to sign off now. So for John, go Bills, and for Mike. Go Bills. Huge win. It's still undefeated on Sunday. And for me, Nate, AJ Klein, MVP, uh, Bills going 8-2 and two into the bye. We'll talk to you guys again next week. Thank you for listening to the Circling the Wagons podcast. Download and subscribe to us in your favorite podcast service. Email us at ctwpod at gmail.com. That's Charlie Tango Whiskey Pod at gmail.com. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at ctwpod. And most importantly, go Bills! Nobody circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills. Nobody circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills, mate. <laughs>